0: Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy,
1: churchy, church, church gear. To, to, Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? To, Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear no joke that didn't always work
0: okay what if i just did something like go to churchgear.com
1: uh you know what that one works blake don't make me school you boy Toby, if you're teaching school right now i have like so many questions Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who recently found out that Toby is the Dean of Students at Church Gear University. And I'm here with my co host, the Dean of Students himself, Toby Walters.
0: Can you imagine if we had a Church Gear University? I mean, thankfully, there are intelligent people that know a whole lot about production that work here, but you and I are not part of them,
1: Blake. No, we would be the knuckleheads that get the dunce cap on in that university. We'd be in the back of the classroom. How long do you think we would last at Church Gear University before we'd get kicked out? I
0: I give us four minutes.
1: That's three minutes longer than I gave us. Because
0: we're going to get three warnings and then we're gone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If I told you that in kindergarten, they just left my card on red for the full year. And never put it back to green. Would you believe me? Yes. That's a true story. (laughs) That's a true story. Why
0: am I not surprised? So uh, just thinking about the way like I learned production and got involved in it. It wasn't like I started out going to college for production. I was the 13 year old kid in the youth group and my dad was a music director and said, hey, do you want to learn how the sound system works? And I'm looking at the mixer thinking pretty lights and knobs. Yes, let's do that. And of course, I think I've told this story before where, you know, the guy who was doing sound at the time, he was just a a software guy. He didn't know anything about production, but he told me. But he had a good heart, man. He's trying. (laughs) Sure. He was like, you take all these faders and you put them at Unity and then you mix using the gain knobs. And I'm like, that can't be right. And so it was very much trial and error. And, you know, when we're teenagers, like we have all this, like just curious energy we're like, hey, I'll, I'll come in and just start messing around with stuff and, and playing with it and seeing like what does and doesn't work. And so that's very much how I started learning production. I just <clears throat> trial and error.
1: Totally experimenting. No YouTube to help you. No. No internet. This was like early 90s. Not even a textbook. He's looking at hieroglyphics. This was
0: before, uh, what was it, 1995 Netscape became a thing. Do you remember
1: Netscape, Blake? Toby, I was two years old when Netscape (laughs) became a thing.
0: (laughs) So slowly but surely, like I learned more and more and I did a whole bunch of stuff that I shouldn't have done like a mixer is not meant to do that. And you shouldn't put a microphone there kind of stuff, but like you learn by cutting your teeth. And then by the time I actually went to college, like I went to a community college and did a kind of track in audio engineering and
1: you only worked on one track. You didn't work on multiple tracks.
0: That's right. So I ended up teaching some of the classes what? because I what? mean let's
1: hang on did you just I was the not professor? the
0: professor the professor was such an old school guy that like we had 8-atts for any of our listeners that like oh I remember 8-atts you know we had 8-atts and we had I think two two or four track pro tools This was like the very first pro tools iteration and our teacher didn't know how to use them cuz he was an Like an old school analog guy, you put a reel to reel in front of him and he knows what to do. He didn't know how to use the ADATs. So I had to show him how to use the ADATs. And then eventually he was like, hey, Toby, show the rest of the class how this ADAT works. And so it was kind of funny, like being in college teaching the other students how the ADATs worked. And, you know, it's like, what's this education for, anyways? (laughs)
1: No no wonder you're not a fan of college. They, you had to do do-it-yourself college.
0: And at the same time, I was running a recording studio in my church
1: basement. Why don't you just keep soft flexing all over us? Well,
0: a little bit. It was, um, it was fun because a couple of the students actually came to the basement recording studio and like practice mixing there because we didn't have access to a like nobody had a laptop with pro tools at that time. Nobody had their own studio available at home. Like you had to go somewhere and use equipment. And if you didn't have access to it, like you couldn't learn it. So some of the students would literally come over to the recording studio at my church and like they would learn how to mix drums on the analog mixer with the reel-to-reel and the ADATs. And it was it was a fun time, you know?
1: I'm just imagining you saying to your fellow students, hey, you want to come learn to mix in my basement? It's a church basement.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what it was, but I didn't say it like that.
1: <laughs> oh, man. You know who would say, you want to learn something just like that? We got Johnny Reagan, co-founder of Worship Sound Guy and tech director at Stone
2: Creek Church. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, that's me. Thank you for having me. I Maybe we're going to get you to beginner level. We'll see what happens. I'm, I'm not making any promises, but I'm optimistic. And I did teach him how to put all the faders at Unity and then mix with the game notes. Oh, yeah. That's exactly
0: what you're supposed yes. to do.
1: Thank you. It's it's not, see, don't Blake? Don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> you, you, you can fix us within this next hour, right? I'm going to do my best. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, until before you get to fixing us, though, mm. we prefer that we meet everybody by them lying to us. Yeah. So, yeah. We got five truths and a lie here. How confident are you that you can fool
2: us? Oh uh, well, I mean, I've—I don't know. I've got both of you. I think I've been like doing some like subtle like mental reconnaissance. Oh man, I think I've got you figured out. See if you can like see through. Nobody has Blake figured out. Oh, that's true. But I've got a good
1: shot. The degree on Blakeology is still in the works. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Number one, my wife Jackie and I just celebrated ten years of marriage.
0: Okay, if that's true, congratulations. If it's not. We'll have a talk with your wife about why you're lying about your yeah, marriage. Thank you. Maybe.
1: Oh, Who knows? Yeah. Oh, no. Number two. We have a pit slash lab mixer named Adler. Not mixer. Not mixer. Mix. It's a mix. It's a dog, not a console. Console dogs coming from <laughs> Church Gear 2024. Oh. I just want
0: to say cat people are the worst.
1: All right. Number three. How do you feel about that, Everyone Pat looks Blake? at Blake. What, what happens? You know, there's a producer <laughs> trick where you just continue on. Number three. I've had poop thrown at me by a chimp. Now, Johnny, I don't appreciate you calling me a chimp. I Wait, knew I threw poop No, I,
2: ch- Gosh, I was wondering who that was. I just saw it coming at me from across the parking lot when we got here. I was like, "What?" Said a, you know, it's just some weird vagrant passing by and throwing poop everywhere, but that you know, was you. That's how we welcome
1: people. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's
2: move on. Number four. I'm the youngest
1: of three siblings. Oh, I want that to be true because so am I. That's awesome. <clears throat> Number five. I'm allergic to habanero peppers. Habanero I felt so. You confident. need the little squiggly above the end. I do
2: the the, the tilde. I, I love that so, you yeah.
1: think the squiggly would have helped me. <laughs> <laughs> Number six. This is a, so common. I've never broken a bone. I feel like that so shows common? up on one out of three. It, wow!
2: I thought I was so special. I know, man.
0: Assuming that's so the basic. truth. Yeah,
2: well, it's a lie.
0: All right. Do you have a leaning, Blake? I do. Okay. And
1: I'm going to say the lie is the youngest of three siblings because Johnny presents as put together, smart, intelligent, older, oldest sibling vibes, which I am as well. Even if so, it
2: wasn't true, I'm going to give it to you just for complimenting me. Boom, Toby, game <laughs> over.
0: <laughs> so, by that, you're saying that I, who am the youngest of three siblings, does not give
1: off that vibe? I love that you did the inverse math yeah. there. Mm,
0: okay, I'm gonna. So, I was between two and you chose one I, of the ones. I had a feeling. And so, I'm gonna choose that he is not allergic to habanero peppers. So, what is the lie? The John? lie I am an only child.
2: Oh, yes. Man, Take you get, got it. Toby. I was so hoping you were gonna get it. How's <laughs> <As> it feel? <laughs>
0: It feels fine Blake cuz I'm winning by such a hard, high margin. Unlike our fantasy football league where somehow you are beating everybody, which is just ridiculous. Well,
1: hang on. I think I think where it's landing now, and this will have come out past the championship, but there's four teams at 8 and 4, which is wild. Also, if you want to be in the church of your fantasy league uh Oh my gosh, next my brain year, just Yeah, <laughs> in next 2024. Year, you should reach out to us. Um okay. Me and Johnny actually set this up to where mm-hmm. I'd get it right. He didn't tell me what it was. I just told him to say I was right no matter what. Uh, and you were. so <gasps> Yeah, no, you were so actually really right.
0: Yes. Uh, so you cheated. No. No, no, didn't. I
2: didn't tell him what it was. Like, Okay, he was trying to pay me like $10 to just say whatever he said was That's correct. That's a whole month's salary. <laughs> he and so, I've already paid it to Toby. He was so generous. Uh, but no, that really is, uh, Yeah, I'm actually an only child look at that mm-hmm. my just,
0: wife is an only child really? and is she normal I,
2: or is she weird well she's my honest. wife so i say she's awesome but <laughs> <laughs> if you had you said that trap well yeah there's only there's only two options either like pretty normal like I, yep. I hope i am uh or just incredibly weird
0: well i mean i think our listeners are going to find out whether you're incredibly uh, weird yeah, the next 45 ish minutes yeah, we'll so see. We'll yeah see.
2: is that the poll we put up post bottom yeah,
0: story
1: johnny's super weird yeah
0: so never broken a bone, huh? Never have broken you a bone. No. Nope. Sprained anything? Like have you uh, gotten close? Yeah, I
2: used to skateboard and oh, yeah, yes. so I sprained all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so that's why I'm like surprised I never broke a bone, but yeah, yeah somehow made it out unscathed. Blake, have you ever been on a skateboard?
1: No. I my superpower <laughs> is that I don't fall, but okay. I can't skateboard.
2: Which is probably connected. So, yeah, I was going to say it's you won't fall cuz you've never skateboarded, yeah. but I'll teach you how to kickflip. Oh man. That's kick flipping's hard. Yeah.
0: All right. And how did you discover that you were allergic to habanero
2: peppers? Uh, I ate a bunch of them. They were oh. in a chili and uh, it was just a bad time. And I assumed that it was just like, well, okay, it was too spicy, whatever. But I love spicy food. So like, this is kind of unusual. And uh, then I had I things like a burger was like a habanero like sauce on or something. And the same reaction happened. And I was like, started kind of narrowing it down. And so now I know I'm allergic specifically to habanero peppers.
0: Okay. Is that mm. really disappointing to you?
2: Yes, it is. Cause I love spicy food. So okay. I'm like, man, I just, I want to eat that. Yeah. Like I can do, like ghost peppers, like whatever. But yeah, you no know it is.
0: Blake, how are you with spicy food?
2: Yeah, so there's
1: three, there's five levels of Nashville hot chicken at Hattie B's. Mm. There was a piece of bread that had touched the second level, and <laughs> it had just touched it. Took it off my wife's plate as I typically do. That's how I have increased in size. And I bit <laughs> into it, and guys, I almost choked. Like I made a whole scene at the restaurant. I thought I was dying. I know I'm a lot, but like that was genuinely, it almost took me out. Did so, it
2: go down the wrong way or something? Or is it just I like, just
1: can't do spice. Oh, okay. okay. You ever had some mayonnaise yeah. and been like, a mm, little kick to that. I, That's no. me. <laughs> <laughs> I eat, you guys ever been to Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. They have this, uh, they call it Asian zing is the, the sauce. I love it, but mm-hmm. I my whole face sweats as I eat it. Wow. I mean,
0: and at Asian restaurants or sushi restaurants, they have what's called spicy mayo. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it, that is That's got thing. some zing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Toby, you just validated me and made me feel less bad about myself. What a turn of events! Let me undo that. Let me walk that back. (laughs) You got a whole episode too. (laughs) Okay. All right, so Johnny. Yes. We've had sort we've had our nonsense. Sure. Let's get serious. Okay. Uh, how did you get your, uh, start in church production? Yeah. How'd you start worship sound guys? Mm-hmm. How'd you end up here in this very moment with us in the podcast? room? In this very moment, I just wandered off the street,
2: wandered <laughs> in and they're like, Hey, you want to do a podcast? I was like, absolutely. Yeah. I know it works <laughs> great. <laughs> so, uh, I've been in kind of the church production world, uh, for about 15 years now, uh, running sound. I'm the tech director at a church in Alpharetta, Georgia called stone Creek. Uh, I actually started off as a guitar player, and um, my my parents actually found Stone Creek Church when I was a kid, and the youth pastor at the time was crazy enough to let me play guitar. I was terrible, so bad, and <laughs> he let me play anyway. And I like didn't know how to like, Transpose anything or like figure out like oh we're playing it in you know this key. So I just right so I discovered the capo Like it, it went from me playing like black Sabbath cover covers to like David Crowder in like a weekend And so I was like oh my gosh I can use this like capo thing to like just play I was like up here like the seventh fret trying to like you know Just do all this crazy stuff um, gradually got better um, ended up playing for their main service and then that's where I met a guy named Matt Brogdon who kind of was like uh, Hey, we need some help on production you seem like you're interested in like a lot of areas of you know, like I liked recording and uh, Just different audio production stuff like that. So he was like, hey, do you want to like try running the soundboard and I was like Yeah, like it was a huge like Midas analog desk. and I was like, yeah knobs like buttons lights. Let's go. Yep and so I started with that and it was kind of just like, just coming in, maybe like prepping the console a bit, sort of just started as like an intern uh, for him. And uh, then I went to the Art Institute of Atlanta for an audio engineering degree, uh, which we can we can talk all about that. Definitely some, some thoughts on like higher education for technical aspects. Um, but after I graduated there, uh, Stone Creek brought me on full time and I've been the tech director there ever since. Okay, so you, uh, you, kicked my soapbox just now. Yeah, I could tell. uh,
0: Tell me, do you regret your time at the Art Institute? Do you mm -hmm. feel like it really helped advance your skills as a production person? Or do you think there was a cheaper, simpler route to do that.
2: Yeah, there. so at the time, this was back, I, I started in 2007 uh, at Art Institute. And at the time, there weren't nearly as many like online resources. Like it just, it wasn't like the tutorial video thing on YouTube, like just wasn't really a thing yet. It was like, you know, you're reading like, you know, Tape Op magazine to try to like get better at recording or whatever. And like, that's how you're trying to get information or like trying to find like, you know, some random forum online where somebody who knows more than you will share with it or, you know, begging somebody for like a studio internship that a bunch of other people want as well so at the time it seemed like that was like a really good option uh just because like okay this is something I can get into I can do like keep me on a track I've got you know professors who hopefully know more than I do and can teach me um looking back on it I feel like a good 80 percent of what I learned was just because I had access to their facilities like their recording Mm -hmm. studio facilities like their live sound facilities um and it was like self-directed, just booking time in those studios, going in, turning knobs, experimenting, just trying to figure stuff out. And like 20% of what I learned was from actually being in class. So I don't regret it. Cause it gave me access to all those people and to those facilities. But yeah, so much of it was just like having the opportunity to get around those things. Mm-hmm. So now when people ask me, I'm like, oh yeah, just like go ask, like, you know, your friendly local sound guy at you know, a church or even like at a club or whatever. Say, hey, can I shadow you? Can I see what you do? And you'll get a lot of the same stuff. Um, you'll just, you'll get the experience. You get the hands-on aspect of it. I think that's like what's really important. And then obviously there are way more resources to be able to learn now than there were back when I was for starting out
0: yeah it's uh you know production is a unique um world in which like if i growing up and i think to myself oh, i want to be a doctor maybe mm-hmm. i can ask this surgeon if i can sit in on the surgery <laughs> with him and you know use the scalpel a little bit and yeah. give it a try it's like, like, make, like one little cut <laughs> no you have to go a certain path yeah. in life if you want to do that and it's a mm. long arduous road but like yeah, this day and age, there are so many opportunities to get involved in production at a young yeah. age. And even the simplest thing of, like, kids have GarageBand on their yeah. Mac. Yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, basic Pro Tools, like, there is a mixer in Pro Tools. Like, mm-hmm. you, can, you can learn mixing yourself yeah. at home. Um Yeah, so it's a fascinating reality of, like, mm-hmm. is higher education mm-hmm. necessary? And I think, you know, you kind of said it best, like, parts of it are helpful, but... Mm-hmm. There's also other options.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The networking is helpful. The access to gear is helpful. But yeah. yeah, outside of that, it's like if you're, you know, a self-directed learner, like you can just, you can pick it up. Yeah.
0: And Blake, you've been, uh, I hope you've been present for every episode of the Church Gear podcast. Do you feel like the education has made you any better as a production person?
1: Uh, I've learned a lot of the soft skills. Um, <laughs> de- I've, I've, so, Okay. This is coming out post Christmas, but uh, I needed to get a wreath hung up, and I really didn't like. My wife really wanted it up there, and I really didn't want to do it. Yeah, did and you I'll, gaff tape it? So no, it was like <laughs> it was too it was too high up, and I I didn't have a ladder, and I was like, I don't want to fulfill this vision of hers. Like I think it's I don't like this idea. It's not worth the time and effort. It mm. would look nice, not worth the time and effort. But then I remember tech directors on this podcast giving the advice on how to be patient and work with someone's vision. And so I found this pole that I was able to hook the hook onto and then stick it up there. And uh, my wife thought I was amazing. And I was like, thanks, guys. Y'all just helped me score some points. Yeah, look at that. That paid off. That's great. I couldn't mix the board, but I can get a reef (laughs) on the window. That's what uh, the tech directors have taught me.
0: And Johnny, I wonder if there are certain things like if you think about learning the piano, you can be self-taught on the piano, Mm -hmm. but you could literally start with the wrong hand position Mm -hmm. and go way down the road. And years later, a professional piano teacher looks at you and says, oh, your hand positioning is wrong. Mm -hmm. That's why you've never gotten beyond this skill level. And so you have to unlearn all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there are places to start in, let's just say, audio production specifically where it's like- you and even in Worship Sound Guy, like we want to start here and make sure that beginners understand this before they start diving into all the rest of it. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's such a good point because like, yeah, it is kind of a double-edged sort of like you can learn bad techniques, right? Like it's so easy to like, you know, you go on a YouTube video or whatever and it's like somebody who, you know, who knows who they are and they've got one way of doing things, they're going to show it to you and like it might get you, like you said, like down the road a little bit, you might improve in certain ways but if it's not the right way, it also might hold you back at the same time. Um, so for us, what we do, uh, actually, the, the very first like, online course that we made through Worship Sound Guy is called Sound Guy Essentials. And a big part of that was just teaching like, like literally like, how to wrap a cable. You know, it's <laughs> like, just, hey, here's how to just have an organized box of cables that aren't going to tangle when you try to toss them out. That's an important skill. And it's something that you know, may not be intuitive or that you might not even think to learn. Um, so I think that's like a big thing, uh, just trying to get those fundamental skills correct and then building on those. Because there's a lot of room for experimentation and there are like some guidelines Yeah, that just like keep you going in the right direction.
0: Yeah. So I know there are so many resources out there and let's say I'm back to my 13 year old self mm-hmm. and you know I see this audio mixer with all these lights and knobs and I'm like, ooh, this is fun. Mm-hmm. And now YouTube and the internet is available yeah. But there is all sorts of like, there are trusted sources and there are Mm. people that people on the internet (laughs) and there are people on the internet.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: How, how do we vet these things when we're, we're looking for education resources? That's
2: a really good question. And like, honestly, I'm not sure I have a great answer to that. Like we set out to like provide resources that could be trusted. Um, So like, you know, we've done our research. Like I know that, but I'm also like, man, you know, you might just have to take my word for it. Like, Checking out like some you know resources and see if they work for you. I think that's like a big one for me. Just like, did what this person said would work? Did it actually work? Um, and you know, kind of judging it, kind of based off the fruit of uh, what happens when you try whatever they said to try. Yeah. Um, also, if it you know if it intuitively makes sense of like if they're explaining a concept to you and it's not just like you know Tur- turn up the high frequencies for more better, and you know it's like okay well. Explain why you know if it goes into detail if it's you know based in maybe some some good audio acoustic science um, I think that's always a really good sign um, you know if the person has a proven track re- record of like working with good you know artists or churches or whatever um, just like to have some credibility uh, I think that's a really good way to like kind of vet some of these online sources
1: mm-hmm. and then there's also different learning styles you know mm-hmm. with the internet you can watch a billion different YouTube videos on a billion different channels or you can mm-hmm. find like organize this mm-hmm. is yeah. classes or this like you know what i mean like courses that have stuff so do
2: mm-hmm. you find that to be better or like how do you i guess mm-hmm. how do you approach both cuz both are very helpful yeah, but yeah for sure and like so like with Worship Sound Guy, we do both. You know, it's like we've got a bunch of like free content that's on YouTube. We also have courses that are a little more structured and kind of laid out in like a way that you'd progress through them in a certain order that kind of, you know, builds each lesson one on top of the other. Um, so I think it's a place for both. Like sometimes you just want to like look for a new way to make your snare drum sound awesome. And so you're just you're Googling, you're on YouTube, whatever, just like trying to figure out, like, what are people doing that maybe I haven't tried yet or that I haven't experimented with on my snare drum or whatever it is? and you know, sometimes that's a great way to learn. Just that, like, quick injection of like a new idea or a new concept. I think for me, that's always really inspiring. That's like a, a fun way to learn because it's a quick win. Oftentimes, and you'd be like, "Oh, cool! I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna try this, you know, different plugin or a different EQ technique or whatever it is." And you know, it's a real quick like, "Oh, it worked" or "It didn't." And, you know, that's a great way just to, like, make those, like, quick wins, keep it fun, keep it interesting. Um, Then on the other side of it, there's more of, like, okay, I want to, like, master this skill set and I want to have, like, this, like, really rock-solid foundation that I can build on um, and that I can, like, incorporate and maybe even, like, train other people with and, like, have just, like, a deep understanding of something. And I think that's where maybe, like, more structured content comes in.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like as you say, it's really fun to Mm -hmm. shoot off on a random direction and then some structure is really nice. I just saw the Napoleon movie and Mm. I found a YouTube channel that like outlined all of his battles and so instead of watching a bunch of random battles from a course history, I Mm -hmm. watched all of those and I was like, oh, this is nice. I feel like I got this one down now. Yeah, that's really cool. Different lessons, different ways. Mm -hmm.
0: Thinking back to, uh, I mean, I learned mixing on a it wasn't even Mackie yet. It was called Biamp. Oh, they 16. made it out of dinosaur bones. Yeah, right? pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, you get a source, let's say a vocal and it comes in and you have gain and EQ mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. And so I can't put 17 plugins on there to try and make it better. Yeah. You've got very simple tools. And I feel like, and you tell me, Johnny, like, with the technology available today, yeah, you can do a lot of unique things, mm-hmm. but you can also go down a rabbit trail of nonsense, yeah. and I was just at a church, and I don't remember what church, but I was looking at a vocal chain, and it had 11 plugins on it, Ooh. and I'm like, why are there 11, like three compressors, mm-hmm. and four EQs, and 18 different you know, <laughs> reverbs on there, and so it's like, yes, you can go on to these online resources, and you can learn about a lot of the the theory and the functionality of gear but at some point you have to have somebody standing next to you that knows what they're talking about mm-hmm. that says stop all that take it all away yeah. and when you push the fader up if it sounds like garbage it's not getting better mm-hmm. like go to the source do you yeah. f- do you feel like there's a balance between like online education plus being next to somebody that's done it for mm-hmm. a long time
2: yeah yeah i think there's like a It's almost like, you know, it's like that kind of like apprenticeship model that I think is lost in a lot of like, uh, you know, areas of education today. It's more like, you know, you're just learning to have a book or whatever. But I think with audio and production in general, it's so helpful to have like a mentor or, you know, a community, somebody around you to like, you know, kind of see what you're doing, give you feedback, you know, right then and there and like give suggestions. So, yeah, I think that's huge. And to your point about source tone, I think that's like one of the biggest things that we fight for is just like, hey, get it right at the source. Like it should at least like sound pretty good with nothing going on with it. Um, whenever I get in that situation where I'm like, you know, looking at a vocal chain, it's got like, you know, eight plugins on it. My favorite question is, what do those do? <laughs> and just like watching kind of just the squirm as they're like, oh, I don't, I don't really know, you know, or like, I don't know, I put them on, you know, I had it, you know, with two plugins and then I just added another one and another one, another one. I never like really checked to see, It just kind of kept like iterating on this vocal chain over and over again until it's just this monstrosity. And it's like, okay, let's back those off and let's see like, first, is it helping? Like, does it sound better if we take it off? And I mean, gosh, like, 90% of the time I think it's it's better uh, at least in like the churches and sound techs I've consulted with um, it, Yeah, it's like they'll deactivate like oh hey actually it, uh, You know it's not squash now. It's like oh you can actually hear like a full frequency spectrum It's not just like you know muddy low end or crispy top end. It's uh, it, Yeah, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think Toby's anti
1: plugin cuz back in his day when he started a plug-in was into the wall <laughs> mm-hmm. That was an electrical Pretty cord. Much.
2: Yeah I mean, um, gosh, yeah, I started a Mackie analog console, so I'm, yeah, yeah,
1: I'm right there with you.
2: Totally.
0: I feel like if, let's say, young production guys go sit behind a, like, master mix engineer, mm-hmm. and they're going to just, you know, from very beginning, just throw up a mix. Yeah. Like, if they just push all the faders up to Unity or whatever, the, the person behind them is going to be like, how come your mix sounds so good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. it all starts with incredible source yes like the whole lie of fix it in the mix mm-hmm. uh, i feel like we should step one teach people like that's just garbage yeah you cannot fix garbage in the mix yep. you've got to start with, with hot mm-hmm. takes today yeah, yeah. Start bring, with it. A good source. bring it bring it because I feel like, and Johnny, correct me if I'm wrong, but like there's this kind of like bell curve of when you start out, you start just adding plugins yeah. and adding plugins and adding plugins to try and make things sound better. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to a certain level of experience, you just start doing the opposite. You mm-hmm. start stripping away yeah. everything and your whole approach to, Mixing is what do I need to remove Mm -hmm. to make this sound better?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think um, vocals might be like one slight exception. I think they do need a fair amount of processing sometimes. But yeah, I would say contextually, yes. And like, you know, it all comes back to the source tone, like you're saying. Um, I think another thing for me is just like the importance of learning to listen Uh, I think lots of times we mix with our eyes first and you're just like, oh, it's like, you know, shiny new plugin, what does it do? Like, you know, and you start like just going with it just because it like, it looks cool and it's exciting and you know, it's, it sounds fun and different and it's actually not like helping anything. So for me, I always try to like, uh, I start with balance really. And so I'm like, if you can like pull up faders, no processing on it, maybe like, you know, high pass filter stuff on the EQ and just like get a mix only using the faders and just like let the balance dictate where your mix moves go. I think that's like such a cool starting point like before you do any other processing, just learn how to balance the volume levels between your instruments. And if you can start doing that, then suddenly processing becomes so much less of an issue. Like whenever people send us like, you know, their live stream or like a a console mix to listen to um, and they're like, you know, what's wrong? What do I need to EQ? And it's like, well, I don't know if you need to EQ anything. I think you might need to change your balance. Like your kick drum is crazy loud, you know, compared to like your vocal and, you know, your guitars are getting buried by all these tracks that you're using. And it's like, you've not assessed the balance in your mix. And so without doing that, it's really, really hard to like fix it in the mix uh, using any kind of processing because it's all like a volume issue at at the core. Yeah.
0: Blake, you're definitely consistently a volume issue like how often do I have to tell you like Blake lower your voice
1: I'm such a bad volume <laughs> issue that when I go places with friends and they say hey you need to you need to say that less like loud I go thank you you'll need to tell me that again I invite <laughs> you to tell me to to be quiet you just get so excited about what you're I talking about do and you know what's really making me excited is hearing this because if we need to strip it all down to make uh, a mix good and just use the faders it sounds like I could get lucky and just move the faders up
0: <laughs> well I mean what we're talking here is it the source if mm-hmm. we give you an incredible source like if we gave you you know cold plays just uh empty tracks yeah. and said blake put together a quick mix of this like you could just throw everything up evenly mm-hmm. and then you could be like oh the kick drum's a little loud let's give a little more vocal and like three minutes later you're like how does that sound well it sounds pretty good because mm-hmm. you're mixing cold play yeah so it's and we're we're crossing over into a whole different realm when we're talking about, okay, well I'm the production person and I, I don't affect the source. Mm -hmm. That's the worship team. (laughs) How do I then tell the worship team, like, look, Susie can't sing. And just because the edge plays a strat through an AC 30, doesn't mean that you should be doing the Tomlin chords that way. That's fair. So do you guys have any helpful advice on how to approach that subject with your worship team?
2: Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about that. You Okay, you got off like a, a soapbox for me right there personally. So, when you mentioned like working, you know, like pulling up a Coldplay mix and be able to make that sound really good, I 100% agree. And I also think a big reason for that is because you have a reference like in your brain as a Coldplay fan, for how Coldplay is supposed to sound, right? And I think that a lot of times, especially worship engineers, do not have a good reference for what the mix needs to sound like in their room. Like, they have this maybe, like, sort of nebulous idea of, like, oh, well, listen to, like, you know, like a, like a live recording from, you know, like Passion or Bethel or whatever. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe it should sound like that. But they've never taken the time to really assess, like, what does a mix need to sound like in my room? Like, how is it going to translate best on my PA, For the congregation who's here with us in this room. And I think like without thinking about that, it's just like you're shooting at like a moving target. Um, So, yeah, it just becomes so much easier once you, like, take some time to, like, visualize and maybe, like, get some reference tracks that you feel like are appropriate for your mixing context, Um, like getting stuff that, like, you can reference and be like, oh, yeah, this is what I want my mix to sound like. And then it's so much easier to go, oh, okay, yeah, like, I can hear the volume issues because, like, I know guitars aren't supposed to sound that loud. You know, like, the way I know that I want my mix to sound is not, you know, the way it's currently sounding. You make those adjustments so much easier.
0: And I wonder how many of our churches that are listening to this or smaller churches could bring in a professional mix engineer for a weekend Mm -hmm. to work with them, work with their band, get an ideal mix for their room Mm -hmm. and their people, and then teach them how to do it and save the scene and be (laughs) like, look, just pull this scene up next time. Mm -hmm. You're starting from here. And then, you know, don't do too much. Yeah, (laughs) Don't add 74 new plugins. Start here and just do this again.
2: Yeah, I think that can be really helpful. And to what you were saying before too, like kind of connecting, you know, front of house, the production team to the worship team. I think that's so hugely important. And I think like oftentimes that's where kind of like those templates can fall apart is if, you know, drummer, you know, changes his snare drum or whatever, and guitarist, you know, swaps out his amp and his guitar, like things start sounding different. You get, you know, different vocalists who sound different. Then all of a sudden kind of the settings that you develop, like don't quite work as well. So. So much of it, yeah, like you said, is about like getting that, um, you know, just that interconnectedness between the production team and the worship team. So it sounds like we're talking a lot about different tactics to
1: improve your mix. Mm-hmm. Um, before we started your episode, uh, you talked about how that was speaking of soapbox is one of your soapboxes. <laughs> so do you have any, you know, quick tips that you love to offer whenever you're talking to a, a fellow
2: church tech on improving your mix? Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so I think like for me, usually when we go like we you know go to a church, talk with the church, whatever. Um, 90% of the time there are like five or six like really quick wins that they can just knock out right away, um, you know, like stuff as simple as like maintenance, essentially like, you know, hey, like when's the last time you tune your drums? Never, like, okay, well, all right, we're gonna tune drums, like we're gonna change heads, we're gonna make sure, you know, guitarist has got fresh strings, we're gonna clean our vocal mic capsules so there's not a bunch of gunk in it. Um, you do know, all these little things that kind of like Just get everything primed, get our source tones right. And then, like, that just will make things easier down the line. Another huge one, uh, of course, is gain structure. I cannot tell you how many times we go to a church and the gain structure just all over the place. Like, you know, because they are using, like, you know, gain as essentially like a volume knob. And it's just like, okay. Let's rethink how we look at gain, how we're processing this. Uh, let's mix with our faders, not with our gain knobs. And yeah, just like little things like that are like the quick wins that you know, you can just like implement, you know, on a Sunday, like easily on a Sunday morning. Um, so yeah, those are just a couple of them. Um, if we want more, I can, I can do more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love just starting
0: with the easy wins because yeah. I think, again, we're just talking about like we as humans we want to make things way too complicated it's like whoa whoa, whoa! let's walk back to the basics Mm -hmm. let's tune your drums like you're never going to use enough EQ and plugins to Mm -hmm. make your drums sound great if your heads are six years old and they're totally out of tune Mm -hmm. and like oftentimes production guys don't think that way Mm -hmm. they think about okay what can I do at my with my tools to fix what they're doing on stage
2: yeah they can be like very isolated I think that's kind of like you know sort of a endemic within the, especially sound community. I think it's like, you know, you're back there, you're behind the mixing board, and you kind of feel all alone. And like, you know, there's there's a lot of times no one who's, you know, there to mentor you or coach you or anything like that. Um, and I think that's really tough, because then you're, you are sort of out there on your own, and maybe, you know, uh, I guess, perhaps, Church techs are known for being a little more introverted, so we don't want to go talk to the worship leader. We don't want to talk to the band, uh, and you know, ask for something like, you know, like, hey, the guitar so- tone sounds like really muddy. Like instead of me trying to like hack away at it with an EQ, like let me just go talk to the guitar player and like see, hey, we can both like get like you can have a better tone, I can get a better tone. Like you'll sound better in the house. Like let's work on this just a little bit together, and then like collaborate on how to get the best out of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I love. I mean, as a former worship guy, I know mm-hmm. that worship guys can, because I had one, big egos have big <laughs> egos. And so
2: You with a big ego. I know. I don't believe it. And
0: then just as you're saying, production people can often be kind of introverted, kind of yeah. quiet, and kind of feel like, oh, well, the worship leader's never gonna listen to what I have right. to say. I just mm-hmm. need to stay in my cubicle <laughs> and, you know, push my buttons yeah. and make what they're doing really shine. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, there's such a a need for relationship between worship mm-hmm. and production, or a worship, or a, you know, a front of house engineer, a production person, can sit down with the worship leader and say, "Hey, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you mm-hmm. want?" to have communicated back to the people because I don't know if you understand this, but I'm the one doing that. Mm -hmm. I'm the one translating what you're doing on stage to what the people experience out here. And so really getting on the same page, having a level of respect where you can respectfully say to your guitarist, Hey, I know you like that tone. It does not work Mm -hmm. in the room. It does not work with the mix, Um, but you have to build that relationship, build that trust.
2: Yeah. Yeah it takes time too, you know, it's like, I never go in, like if I'm in a new place or anything, like I'll never just go like obliterate what the band is already doing, you know, but I'll be strategic and like take some little tweaks where I can get them, you know, maybe just like, you know, even it's like a, like a mic technique thing of like, Hey, you know, like just happen to notice worship leader, like you're, you're way off your mic. It's going to sound way better in the house if you just hold that up just a little bit more. And like, of the time that's so well received especially if you can convey it in such a way that it's like hey this is not only going to help me it's also going to help you like you'll sound better if you'll do this one tiny little tweak for me
0: yeah it's kind of like how I tell Blake like look it's not really specifically what you're saying it's just your face so if you can just change your face Blake Then everything will be better. Well, you
1: have that uh, plastic surgeon friend neighbor that you (laughs) talk about all the time. (laughs) Literally change your face. You're talking about you should collaborate together and offer solutions. Give me your solution. Blake, who would you want to look like if we could change your face? Oh, that's tough. Logie, uh, Logan Lerman, that's my wife's celebrity crush, so oh, there you go. I'd like to look like him. I, I love what we're hitting on here, though, because other than hitting on my face, is that <laughs> <laughs> I think you have a great face, just like for the record. Johnny, it's I, a
0: beautiful mm, podcast face. The,
1: <laughs> the Venmo is in the mail. Gotcha. Um, it does sound like a lot of stuff could be fixed by just talking together more. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really can be. I mean, I think especially like even communicating like at a pastoral level, um, you know, trying to figure out like, especially if you're, unfamiliar with the church or if you just have not had this conversation before of like you know what do we want our worship culture to be like um you know how even like volume is like a perfect example of this like are we like big loud energetic or is it more like uh you know introspective quiet you know a little more subtle of a mix like what are we going for like what you know what's the vision for this church like in this environment this service like that's just not talked about very much i think it's a huge miss when it's not
0: I can imagine, you know, uh, a pastor presenting like a passion live record mm-hmm. and saying, this is what I envision for our church. Yeah. It's, everybody's listening to that thing and awesome. <laughs> and then guitarist goes and says, I'm going to be the most amazing guitarist ever. And drummer mm-hmm. goes, I'm going to be the most amazing drummer ever in front of house guy. And then you just have this chaos that nothing actually works together because yeah. everybody's like individually focused on their own thing, Mm -hmm. and then you just end up with an absolute mess.
2: Yeah, totally, I think that's huge. Like I think, and that's a good job of like, or a job for like the music director, I think that's super important. Like uh, my music director my home church and I are like super tight, we talk all the time, but like what kind of tones we're going for, what the vision is, you know, for a particular Sunday, even like for a particular song or a particular like moment in a song, like, you know, like, okay, this bridge, you know, we're gonna extend this, it's gonna be a big build or whatever. And like, okay, cool, like, I'm gonna back you up with that. Like, I'm gonna, you know, be like writing some levels, like on volume to like help support what you're doing. And like, as an MD, like, you know, what he's trying to accomplish with the band, like, I'm like, cool, I'm gonna take that and like try to take it to the next level if I can.
1: Yeah, it sounds a lot like the way to improve your mix might not be creativity as much as it is cohesion and communication Mm -hmm. amongst each other. That's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. a, it's so fascinating to me on this podcast how much the soft skills come into play with the technical stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I empathize like with someone being in front of house trying to make, you know, something sound better and not feeling like they can. Like, will they even listen to me? Mm-hmm. Like, when I want to pitch an idea to Toby, I'm like, will he even listen to me? Maybe I need to just no. guess what he wants. <laughs> but the more we talk, the better stuff gets. So, there you yeah, just... You know what? Shoot your shot. Talk <laughs> talk to your uh, your worship leader, your people up there. Mm, yeah. I think this would be great tips. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Johnny, you talk also about maximizing your gear. This is mm, the soapbox yeah. episode since <laughs> since everyone's seems really to be is. full of hot takes today. It really is. You said uh. you love talking about maximizing gear, and I know that's something Toby loves too. Yeah. So, what was your what's some of the things you like to talk about on maximizing the yeah, gear for churches?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so. Big one that, I mean, you guys have done incredible work with this too, of like helping get churches equipped with the right gear. Um, And I think for me, like that's just such a key is like to have the right gear in the room. But then hand in hand with that, it's like, you have to know how the gear works and how to get the most out of it. Um, A lot of times, you know, I'll be talking to someone it's like, you know, oh, we just, we need a new PA system or we need the latest, greatest console or whatever it is. And... 90% of the time they probably don't like what they have is like, it's, it's working fine, but they don't know how to maximize and get the most out of it. Um, so for one thing, I know this is a little unpopular, but you gotta like read the manual. If you don't know, like the functionality, I know, I know, I know, dude, I was going to say
1: like, we've had a (laughs) lot of smart people on this podcast say almost word for word what you said. Mm -hmm. Like,
2: I know this isn't fun. Mm -hmm. This is, this helps me the most. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I Emily, mean, like, even like with plugins and stuff too, like whenever like a new waves plugin drops, I'm like, oh, let me open up the manual before I try to just like throw this into my you know mix chain or whatever, it's like, okay, let me actually see what the, like what does this do? Like how what can I make this thing do for me? And like how's it gonna fix a problem that I have? Um, so a lot of times the solutions to these problems, to these issues that people are having are already built into their gear. They just don't even know it. You know, it's like, okay, how do I make my broadcast mix sound better? It's like, well, you know, if I'm running it off a bunch of like, you know, aux sends and you know, this stuff, it's like, oh, well, if I'm I understood what a matrix was, you know, maybe I'd be able to balance these groups better and like put some additional processing on it and have a great sounding live stream mix. But, you know, they, they've never read the manual, so they don't understand that concept. Uh, so that's a big thing that we try to combat is just like, you know, understanding like the fundamentals of how stuff works and how to best utilize it. I like it. <laughs>
0: I I mean, the whole reason Church Gear exists is to maximize gear. Yeah. I think so often we can go to, you know, I need a brand new digital console mm-hmm no no you just need to change the batteries in your
1: wireless yeah like
0: sometimes it's just the simplest mm-hmm. least sexy solution is actually going to have the biggest results
1: yeah it's so true well and I love how this gives hope to people who don't have the budget mm-hmm. to do massive upgrades yeah. that they might have what uh, they might have the solution there they just have to you know keep digging although I empathize with them because you know I've got an iPhone but I was like Toby this isn't good enough I need shiny cameras so, <laughs> so we bought shiny cameras there you go Okay. Did you really need them, though, Blake? Well, I think what we're learning here is yeah. maybe not, but I really like them. I really like them. <laughs> I really like them. Um, okay, so, uh, Johnny, we were kind of talking ahead of time, and I was asking about some disaster stories, oh, and... You have some good ones. Oh yeah. So hit us with a disaster
2: story. Okay. So there's one in particular, and a video exists of this. I think I sent it to you. Oh, you're going straight for the best one. I thought we were going to start with the other one. Oh Are they at the same time? Weren't there two? Uh, yeah. This was actually at the same camp. Oh, for real? What a weird camp. Yeah. It was. It was bizarre. I will not name what church it was with. It's a (laughs) large mega church. Um. So where this you cannot sue Johnny. No. Don't sue me for this. Yeah. Okay. This is well. Yeah. Way in the past. But. Uh, so uh, my buddy Matt who runs Worship Sound Guy with me uh, we were at this camp and it's in this like really old church building Um, like kind of you know uh, like used to have pews in it ripped them out that kind of thing and um, it's really like beautiful building it's two stories we're up on kind of like the main level and then there's a basement below us and so it's like 400 kids things are getting a little crazy it's like kind of I think it's like, second night, so it's, like, kind of, like, going big. And we're just like, all right, we're all gonna jump. And, and they're on the top level? Yeah, so okay. they're on the top level, big open, like, kind of auditorium, like, chapel space. And so he's like, we're gonna jump. And everyone starts jumping. And immediately, we, like, feel things, like, moving. And we're like, uh, this, this is not good. So uh, I, like, I... Messaged Matt, and I was like, Hey, man, like, do, do you feel this? He was like, Oh, yeah. And so he's like, Hey, let's go downstairs. So we go down into the basement, and you can literally look up and see the floor no. just Whoa. flexing. And we were like, Dude, we gotta like stop this. And so <laughs> we like went back up. Like, I think Matt got on the ears and was like, Hey, you gotta get them like stop jumping. Like, this is gonna like be a disaster. So, not, not a total disaster, but a potential one um, happened there, which leads into the second story. <laughs> Man, that makes me like sweat. Dude, I know. Yeah. Was, just thinking of what could have happened. I'm yeah, so glad it was it, it was
1: bad. Yes, yeah, so that's a pre-disaster yeah. story. So yeah. what
2: what happened then later? Okay. So so later. There's this kid who's been getting up on one of the subwoofers, like right across the front of the stage, and just like kind of like dancing on it. And so he's done this like probably three times. Matt has told him to move. Uh, Matt's at monitors. I'm in front of the house. And the the thing that like this kid doesn't know is that there's also like a CO2 confetti cannon that's like right behind the sub. And so. <laughs> lighting guy it's like hey it's almost time to fire the co2 cannons the kid is up there matt you please tell him to move and so matt like goes out there again it's like the fourth time we told this kid and the kid just is like no i won't do it not gonna move and <laughs> how matt's, old is the kid uh like teenage years I mean, yeah probably okay. teenage years yeah so kid's like no i'm not gonna move and matt's like all right man that's cool and just walks away and so he messages back to me. He's like, "Hey, he's not gonna move." And the moment's coming. In the song for the confetti cannon. And so I like look over to lighting Guy. I'm like, "Okay, are we, are we like gonna do this?" And he's like, "I'm gonna do it." And he like big moment comes. He hits it, and this kid just like disappears. He's like, he just like he's there dancing on the sub at one moment, and then the next minute he's just gone. It's it's incredible, like so. Yeah, you can watch the video. Um, it, it's unreal, like so. Later though, he like came up to front of house and was like, "What happened?" I like, dude, we told you, we told you over and over and over again. <laughs> Sometimes you have to learn a lesson the hard you way, do. and that was yeah, that was a very hard way to learn a lesson.
0: And I was gonna say, couldn't you just punch him in the face? But you kind of did. Yeah, in a
2: way, <laughs> I think we like punched him in his entire body. Yeah, so yeah, it's awesome. Toby, mm-hmm. did you have four cups of coffee today? You
1: were like on a hot take trail.
0: <laughs> My wife and I do this thing where like no, nope, we'll, we're not talking about that either. <laughs> we'll talk about something that like is frustrating or annoying to us, mm-hmm. and then we'll just get on this like series of rants. And our joke is, you know what else bugs me? You know what else bugs me and then next thing you know it's like two in the morning we're mm-hmm. like ah crap we gotta go to bed
1: and another thing and another thing oh my gosh no that's beautiful because you told him
2: four times mm-hmm. yeah like, oh he like he knew he knew he was not supposed to be there it was yeah it's like sorry man like this is this is you just you get what's coming to you like you won't get mm-hmm. up on a sub again like. that's amazing
1: uh i'm definitely gonna prioritize posting that on our socials yeah, this week
2: and i'm definitely gonna shoot you with
0: a confetti cannon like because we have one what oh yeah
1: Whoa. no we we've don't
0: got, yeah we've got one in stock we just i just priced it a couple days ago we should keep that i don't know that we have any confetti but can we, we have it? a confetti can how much how much does it cost hey, i'm gonna take it out of your paycheck so you're whoa, not whoa, whoa. paid for three <laughs> months
1: on. it's budget season i'm gonna put it in my budget and because that's that does sound really fun yeah um the problem is the cleanup you want to clean up mm, all that confetti no dude Part of the joke is the cleanup. You got to do it in places yeah. where you can bounce. <laughs> but, but don't do bounce on the floors because they'll concave
0: exactly. on you. Exactly. Oh, man. If we uh, confetti cannoned your car, Blake.
2: Please don't. Oh, my oh. gosh. I'm imagining this. I mean, yeah. I just rode in your car today, and I'm like, I'm just picturing just like, it just exploded with confetti. All right, 100
0: yep. bucks to anybody that confetti cannons Blake's car. Yep. Like, inside of it.
2: Oh, I'll no. Not it. outside.
0: Yeah. yeah. This Done. Is not good. <laughs> Johnny's going to go back to the warehouse immediately <laughs> and get that
1: cannon. Okay, well, um, what I'd really love to fire off is a tech takeaway from you, Johnny. Yeah. So what, what confetti cannon of a tech takeaway can you <laughs> shoot at me and Toby and obliterate us with and everyone else that's listening?
2: Okay, so uh, this is... Again, a little bit of a soapbox for me. So, okay, one of my favorite things to do is to keep a mixed journal. And so basically what I mean by that is that uh, I've got like a little notebook, I also have a note on my phone, so I don't have a journal, doesn't have to be fancy, but what I do is I make notes as I'm mixing of like stuff that I like, stuff that sounds good, stuff that maybe doesn't sound good, um, you know, stuff that I wanna work on or implement in my mix uh, for the future. And so what I'll do is I'll take that and then every single week I'll go and update our template that we start every mix from and I'll implement those changes in it. So if I'm like, okay, yeah, man, like I, you know, use this new, you know, processor on vocal, added a little more top end, whatever, and like, man, that sounded really good. Um, I'll implement that into the template and I'll just like keep this running list of like different techniques that work, and that's helped me out so many times because, like, you kind of forget about like stuff that you've come up with over time. And so now I've got this little journal of like just all these, like, I mean, hundreds probably of mix tips of like just stuff that I've like accumulated over the years. And so then when I go somewhere new, or if I'm like you know trying to train someone or whatever, I've got this little like reference journal of like stuff that just works. Um, so start one of those Uh, for really like whatever like creative discipline you're in whether it's you know lighting audio video whatever like just keep a little journal like stuff that works and it'll pay off just so big i love
1: that i've got Mm -hmm. a folder in my google drive called the marketing playbook whenever i'm like oh that that was good put that in there (laughs) that's awesome yes it's good to write things down Mm -hmm. toby do you ever write things down
0: uh i tell you to write that down
1: that's true. He literally, I also have a, a notes of all the funny things people say, and I just, <laughs> no context, get a note from Toby the other day. He's like, put this in the notes quote. Um, can't really repeat it, though, because it's too uh, too crass. <laughs> That's this. on the Church Gear
0: After Dark podcast. Yeah. Oh,
1: coming this fall. Um, <laughs> Well, uh, Johnny, thanks,
2: man, for uh, for coming on the show. Is there anything yeah. you'd like to plug or point people to? Oh, man. Uh, well, you can find us uh, on all the socials at Worship Sound Guy. Uh, you can also go to worshipsoundguy.com. We have courses. We have a community group called Insiders where we do uh, Q&As, webinars, training, uh, and just have like, a community for church sound techs to interact and get to know each other and like learn from each other. So yeah, definitely check that out, worshipsoundguy.com. That's the best place to find us. Yeah, the
1: uh, community piece I thought was really cool um, that you guys have done something like that for the tech community. community. and also just just so everybody knows like this is not a paid appearance like people don't pay to be on the church gear podcast we just think they've got some cool resources and wanted to talk with them today so thanks man for coming on yeah thank you guys it's been fun thanks for hanging out with us we hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories tech takeaways and overall buffoonery here at the church gear studios
0: Blake, I actually do have a Blake Journal where I write down all the nonsense you do. I hope this is true. I hope this is true. One of these days, you're gonna come in and like HR will be president, president, no, present, and I'll, I'll have to reveal all these. Blake nonsenses that you do, just read them back to you. Do you think you're gonna be surprised or you're gonna be like, uh-huh, I remember that, I remember that.
1: I was gonna say, they're all gonna involve you and I doing something.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the problem is too many of these things I'm guilty
1: in as well. The other day, Toby and my boss brought me in a room with a picture frame that had HR on the picture frame. <laughs> and I thought I was in trouble. I was like, what have I actually done? And it
0: was Toby Flenderson from the office. Like that's kind of a running joke that, you know, evil alter ego Toby is the HR person at Church Gear.
1: Yeah, but we all know if there's a real HR person, we wouldn't, you know, actually share anything with them. But if we had a real friend, we'd share tons of things with them, wouldn't we?
0: Yeah, especially uh, this podcast episode. I mean, most of the stuff that we think about sharing ourselves, Blake, is blocked by HR. (laughs) But I don't think any of our listeners would be blocked from sharing this episode. That's a good
1: point. Yeah, HR has blocked us from sharing this episode, but you can share it and we'd super appreciate it if you did.
0: Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy,
1: church, church gear. To, to, Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? To, Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers And speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work.
0: Okay. What if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.